Right now, grab your Bibles and open up to the passage of Mark chapter 11 as we read our text this morning. Kids, grab your Bibles, gather around your parents. Dad, grab that Bible, open it up. Mark chapter 11, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. Would you please stand in your houses right now with me as we read God's word? Mark chapter 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying this colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Westside. Good to see you. And thank you again for allowing us to come into your home during this season. And happy Palm Sunday. Um, Palm Sunday is a big deal um, in the Christian church and in the calendar because it marks what is known as Holy Week. And um, maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe you don't know why this is a big deal. Um, Holy, the word holy means separate or apart from. And so for us as Christians, starting today, um, this week is separate. It's, it's apart from all the other weeks in the year. And the reason why is, is it because it's known as the Passion Week of Jesus Christ. Um, actually, out of all four Gospels, there's um, 89 chapters. So the Gospels are like biographies of Jesus' life. Out of 89 chapters in all four Gospels, 29 of them are devoted solely to the last week of Jesus's life. Um, it's a really big deal. And today is, is Palm Sunday, where, where Jesus enters into the city. So it's the start of Holy Week. And he enters into to Jerusalem. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about that entrance and why it's such a big deal starting to the beginning of the week. And so entrances are a big deal, right? Um, we can think about what it is to be at a parade. And when you walk into a room, we say things like first impressions matter, this, that, and the other. Um, one entrance that I'll never forget was on my wedding day with my wife. Uh, Courtney and I got married. We had an outdoor wedding and we actually got married on Current River, which is close by here. It had rained multiple days up to it, but it had stopped on that day and it was beautiful. The sun was shining. It was incredible. But we were married um, at a cabin there on Current River. And so there was this huge, um, really spacious, it was awesome. It was a deck that overlooked the river. 
and she descended from the cabin. And it was so, I mean, it was like three stories of stairs, literally. And so I just had this moment of watching her descend. And she was there with her father. She was wearing the white dress, walking down these steps. And it was an incredible entrance. Um, later on, she told me that what she kept saying to her dad was, don't let me fall, don't let me fall, don't let me fall. But it was beautiful. I mean, it was something that, that I'll never forget, watching her um, descend and coming down on our wedding day. Entrances are a big, big deal. And Palm Sunday, or also known as the triumphal entry, is Jesus' entrance. And the triumphal entry, well, the word triumphal, um, the Oxford English Dictionary defines it this way. Done or made in order to celebrate great success or victory. So think about it. Jesus' entrance is like a victory march. But victory means that you've won something or that you've accomplished something. And up to this point, that would be in question, especially if you're the disciples. Like, what's that Jesus is even talking about that the Son of Man should suffer, die, and rise again? There's all of this confusion. So what is the victory, really, um, that we see with this entrance? Um, Fleming Rutledge is a, a theologian, and she says this, Palm Sunday is the Trojan horse of Christian holidays, because here's why. Jesus enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, celebrating a victory, but in less than a week, he's gonna be murdered and die. You see, like, what if I told you that that beautiful entrance that my wife had on our wedding day ended in a funeral? You would go, wait, 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 that doesn't make any sense which is exactly what we see in the passage. You see, today the message has one point. Doesn't mean it's gonna be any shorter, but here's what I need to do. I need to show you what Mark is doing with this entrance. You see, Mark is um, the gospel really that's uh, been interviewed by the apostle Peter. And Mark is writing to a Roman audience which means that he leaves out all of this Jewish background. Um, it's very fast paced. The word immediately is used all the time. And so with this entrance, Mark is comparing and contrasting to the Roman audience. Now, Jerusalem during that time was under Roman rule. Rome ruled the known world at the time. And what we know about this is that it's Passover week for all of the Jewish people, which means that Jerusalem and Judea in this area is highly populated. There's thousands of more people that are there. And we know through history that the Jewish people outnumbered the Roman rulers in that region. So what do you do? Well, enter Pontius Pilate. Remember that guy later on? He's the one during the trial with Jesus. He's the governor of the region. And so he reports to Caesar. It's sort of like if our governor reports to our president. And what Pontius Pilate does, and probably historically, maybe even the same day that Jesus enters in, is Pontius Pilate enters in from the opposite side of the city. And he is riding a horse. 
See, the horse was a battle horse. It was a war horse. It represented power and authority. And Rome ruled the known world at the time because of their technology and all of those things. So he enters in um, on a horse, but also with almost like a military brigade. And, and we actually have a picture or a painting and depiction of what that looks like. And you can take a look at that. But literally his soldiers march in front of him with their swords and their shields, banging it. And oh, by the way, um, anybody that uh, was in authority in Rome, Caesar was known as the son of God. That Caesar had a gospel, a good news in which he would preach. And so as Pontius Pilate comes into town on a horse, all of this might and power, soldiers banging their uh, swords onto their shields. Some people even say that maybe his war trophies were carried in front of him. What does this show? It shows all the power and all the might in order to keep people in line. Because you had to flex your power. You had to show that you were in control during this time. Here's what I'm trying to say. Mark is comparing and contrasting two kings with two kingdoms. You see Pontius Pilate comes in with power and might. He represents the worldly kingdom. It's gained by force and power and position. And then in steps Jesus. Do you notice in the passage how many times the word cult is used? It's used like four times. Mark is very clearly trying to communicate something here. And then the phrase right there, verse 7, and they brought the cult to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. The Son of God, very God from God, very light from light, riding on a donkey from the opposite side of the city, a completely different entrance, representing a completely different kingdom. What, what am I trying to say? When it comes to victory and the triumph here, this is, this is the point. Is that victory comes through humility. Victory comes through humility. Um, you say, Jason, what do you mean the victory? Well, let's put it this way. A hundred years later from this moment, we know that Rome falls. Rome no longer rules the world. When's the last time, listen to me, when's the last time you even thought of Pontius Pilate and what great trophies that he had? But here we are and here you are in the year 2020 sitting where you're at and we're still talking about Jesus's entrance into the kingdom. That tells me that, that the way of the cross and that the way of Jesus Christ is different from the world. And so, and so let's draw the application from, from the text to your life. Um, there's only two ways to enter into a conversation. Either riding in on a horse, jockeying for power and position, or riding in on a donkey with humility and love. You see, there's only two ways um, to function in your marriage. It's either positioning for power, constantly riding in on the horse, or it's through humble service on the donkey. You see, there's only two ways that you can parent your children, right? There's only two ways to engage with your teenage son or daughter, 
which you might think is a donkey, but that's a different, that's a whole different story in a different situation, okay? You see, here's what I'm saying. There's only two ways that we can live. And it's either trying to ride in on this horse in the way of the world, or it's through humility. But, but here's the really kind of the key here. Humility requires something. Um, do you see what's going on in the text, in the verses up? I mean, Jesus says this, look in verse two. And he said to them, go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it, bring it. If anyone says, what are you doing? Say, the Lord needs you. It's like, hey, go steal a car, right? Or well, it's not really that, but it kind of seems to be that, right? Jesus seems to be very much in control of what's going on. So, so that tells me something. Um, humility requires, um, it requires trust. Because I know what you're saying. As soon as I say it's the way of humility, you can only enter into a conversation um, humbly. We argue and we say, well, who's going to look out for me? Who's going to, if I don't, so what are you saying? Just people are supposed to walk over? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Jesus is, is showing trust in something here. You know, we love that famous verse um, in 1 Peter 5, 7. It's a great verse for this season. It says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's a beautiful verse. Cast all your cares and anxiety at the feet of Jesus because he cares for you. But a lot of us don't know the verse before that. You see, the verse before that is 1 Peter 5, 6. And it says this, humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Do you see? It's in the context. It's in the context that, that we can cast our anxieties and our cares at the feet of Jesus because we've humbled ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And so the only way that we can exhibit this type of humility is to trust that God is present and at work in the situation. And so think about it right now in the midst of the pandemic and everything that's going on in the world. I mean, honestly, we have three ways in which we can live in light of everything that's going on in the world. We can live in first um, anxiety and fear, which anxiety is, is the idea that God can't handle the details, right? And so it's this idea of well, God's big and he's in control, but it's at this real high 30,000 foot view, but he's not really involved in the details in my life and my family. And it leads to a lot of other things. Or we can live in, in anger and bitterness. You see, bitterness says that God got it wrong. Anxiety in a way says God can't handle it. Bitterness says God got it wrong and I'm mad about it. And so this whole COVID-19 and the pandemic and my job and all of this, what emotions, what emotions rise to the surface with everything that's going on? Because what our emotions are is our emotions are like fruit. They're, they're the symptom. But what's going on in our heart, you see, that's the root. And then there's another way. There's, there's the way of Jesus, which is trust and faith. 
Like, I don't know the details. I don't know the great philosophical and theological answer to the question, why is God allowing blank and all of this? I can't answer that for you, but here's what I can answer from the scriptures is that God is present and at work. And that what it requires for me is to humble myself and to trust that God's mighty hand is doing something even when I cannot see it. You see, listen, victory comes through humility. That's the key in all of this. But there's something else in the passage. Look, I want you to see it. It's right there in in verse 11. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And then here it is. And when he looked around at everything, when he looked around at everything. So the reason why Jesus can trust God is because God is doing something in this passage. And and we know this. 500 years before this event happens, the prophet Zechariah prophesies this. He says these words, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See Your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. It's unbelievable. 500 years before this happened, God prophesied and said, I've got a plan. So Jesus is trusting in his father in in order to, to show this type of humility. But then in verse 11, it says that he entered the temple. And the phrase he looked around is very significant. It means that he spent time looking around. What would Jesus have seen? Well, we know that later on that he goes and and clears the temple, that he sort of gets his WWE smackdown on and overthrows the tables and chairs because, because they're making money and profit and gain. But do you know what else what Jesus would have seen in the temple? He would have seen the sacrifices. He would have seen the gate and the doorway where they lead the lambs in for slaughter. And did he? Did he look around in the temple and feel an angst and an understanding that in less than a week that he would be slaughtered like that lamb? You see, the way of God's victory is different than the world because you know what the rest of the prophecy in Zechariah says? It says these words, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He, the Messiah, will proclaim peace to the nations and his rule will extend from sea to sea, from river to the ends of the earth. You know what God is saying? The way that the other nations and the world wins with the war horses and the bow, I'm not going to win that way. I don't work that way. I work through, through humility. And ultimately what Palm Sunday shows us is that victory comes through humility. So the application for us is to ask this question. How am I living my life? Is, am I f- constantly forcing things at work? Am I forcing things in relationship? Am I jockeying for position? Am I all or nothing? And if they don't submit to this, then I'm pulling out because I am riding a horse. And we just see literally that that doesn't last. And we see it's the way of humility. But you know what? Um, Jesus has another entrance 
This isn't the last entrance of Jesus. You see, Jesus comes in very humble on the colt and on the donkey. But in the end, and I mean like the end, the end, when Jesus comes back and he redeems all of this sickness and all of this death, the Apostle John says these words, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes, they're like a blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns, and he has a name written on him which knows no one but himself, and he is dressed in a robe that is dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, they're following with him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean and pure, and coming out of his mouth is a sharp two-edged sword with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an eye iron scepter and he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God almighty and on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written king of kings and lord of lords you see it is only through the way of humility that the victory happens and what we want is we want this moment now. But what Palm Sunday tells us is that it almost presses pause and it makes us slow down. And it says, oh, that day is coming. But before then, we must go the way of the cross. And before that, we must enter into the city on the cult. Great victory comes through great humility. Let us pray how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.